0: The Edge of the World Art Studio is proud to present Helen of the Iron Horse, written by Paris Danielle Lee, artwork by Helen Rachel Lee, music by Fish Zombie the Onions, and special thanks to Spooky the Cat for her contributions, fuzzy as they might be.
1: Chapter 61 The Party is Over 1865 March 20th Carson City, Nevada, the first day of spring. Orpheus played one last long note on the violin. He was the last instrument to close out the movement. Setting the bow to his side, he listened as the note carried through the caverns where the party had been held. He smiled. He had allowed himself to be lost in the music. He didn't see the dancers. He didn't see the other musicians. All he felt was the music flow into him and back out again. The music became alive. He created it. Others added to it. He heard them. They fed him with sound, and he pushed that sound back out of him again. There were moments where he thought it would never end, and moments where he thought he never wanted it to. But that was the last note. Then, breaking the silence from the party, came the sound of applause from a single person. Thank you. That was unforgettable.
0: I always treasure these moments with
1: you, Persephone said as she stood before the stage, set into the rock. Around her there were dancers, half-dressed, drunk and collapsed, asleep on the ground in piles. There were kegs of beer and wine smashed, their last drops licked clean, the carts of fruit and meat empty. The flowers were thrown all over, littering the ground. Persephone stood before him, carrying a small wooden box and a violin case. She held out her hand for Orpheus to take, stepping around the musicians, also asleep, hugging their instruments. She helped him off the stage. The party is over. It's time for you to go home. Come on, she explained. He stretched and yawned. What time is it? he asked. That would depend on where we go
0: next. My husband would see us off, but if he did that... I don't know if I'd have the heart to leave, so it's best every year if I just sneak out. Persephone showed Orpheus
1: to the staircase.
0: Sneak out? Where are you
1: going? He asked as he ascended the staircase. It led out onto the crossroads as he remembered. Orpheus looked around. The snow was gone, and the morning was cold, but not as cold as he remembered. He looked at Persephone. What day is it? He asked. March 20th. It's the first day of spring.
0: I was gone for five months? Yeah, for the party, as agreed. The party lasted five months? Of course it did. Once a party gets going down there, it's very difficult to stop it. And why bother? As long as people are having fun, it's not
1: like anyone has to get up tomorrow. Or the next day. Or really, ever again. Orpheus looked around. The cart was gone. Colin and Henry were nowhere in sight. How could he expect them to be? It's been five months. He saw on the side of the road a grave marker. He went to examine it. It was a simple cross made of wood. If he had to guess, he would say it was leftover wood from the ring. It said on it simply, Colorado, kid.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry. Your friends must have assumed you died. Persephone
1: speculated. Well, in consolation, you didn't. But Orpheus read it differently. Having been trained in language, the most important part of that sign was the punctuation. If it had said Colorado Kid, that would have been a grave marker. But what it said was Colorado, comma, Kid, period. It was instructions. Henry would know that. Henry would understand that with this punctuation, Colorado became a command, and Kid was who the command was to. What Orpheus read was an implied sentence. Go to Colorado, kid. It's okay, said Orpheus.
0: I know where they are.
1: They're fine. Persephone set her wooden case down. She took the violin from him, placing it and its bow in the case she had brought. She set it aside as well. She looked Orpheus over. Sorry. I must have
0: gotten carried away with a party and neglected to feed you. "'but it's still a good thing you didn't eat any of the food downstairs. "'Hold on a moment.'
1: "'She went to the wooden box, opening it. "'Orpheus could see there was a series of small compartments, "'and in each one there were seeds. "'She selected a seed. "'She held it up to the sun as if she could see through it. "'Then, stepping off the road, "'she pushed it into the ground with her finger. "'Standing back, it began to sprout. "'Orpheus watched as in moments the sprout became a sapling.' The sapling grew in strength. The tree stretched up and then spread its branches like an umbrella opening for the first time. Persephone walked up to the new tree, reached out, and pulled from it a light yellow apple. Here you go. She handed it to Orpheus. This one is safe to eat. Enjoy
0: it. I feel bad. I think you've lost a little weight. And you didn't weigh that much to begin with. Let me fix your hair. Blonde does not look
1: good on you. Persephone grabbed his head as he chewed on some apple. Taking her fingers, she combed his hair, and as she did, it returned to black. Stepping back, she examined him again. Well, that's as good as it's going to get. You also
0: might want to get to a barber. Take this with you. It will help.
1: Persephone gave him the violin case containing the yellow violin.
0: My husband will miss this, so take good care of it. It's only on loan. Bring it back to us when you were finished with it. Blessed be, my favorite musician. Thank
1: you for playing for us. Persephone bowed to him. Orpheus bowed back.
0: It has been my pleasure,
1: Orpheus replied. But as he stood from his bow, she was gone. Orpheus ate his apple, and then he went to the tree, picked himself another, and ate it too. When he got down to the core, he carefully removed the seeds, wrapped them in his handkerchief, and put them in his satchel. The satchel now held his book, the complete works of the late Edgar Allan Poe, his harmonica, the paper left over from a roll of Necco wafers, the single-action army pistol, and six apple seeds. It was a long walk back to Carson City. Colin had warned him that they couldn't go back there, but it was the only place to go now. If he tried to go anywhere else, he'd be lost. So he adjusted his satchel until it sat comfortably, picked up the violin case... "'and began his walk back to town. "'Cullen was alive,' he reminded himself, "'and apparently so was he. "'Nothing else really mattered. "'Carson City seemed different. "'Somehow bigger, fuller. "'Maybe it was the difference between fall and spring. "'Maybe it was the difference between the chill of October "'and the warmth of March that filled the streets with people. "'He passed where he was sure the circus tent had been, "'but now there was a train station.' Crowds of people pouring in and out of it, but also enormous piles of supplies. Wood, crates, and barrels stacked higher than seemed safe. There was cattle, horses, and sheep held in pens that led to a platform of their own so the animals could be loaded and unloaded. It was impossible to tell whether any of these things were coming or going. Orpheus just kept walking. He saw a tattered poster on the side of the mercantile in the back alley. Aaron, the Killer Miller, versus Handsome Jim, the Colorado Kid. The paper was now old and yellow. The edges had wrinkled and were pulling up. Someone had attempted at some point to tear it down and pieces of it were missing. The fight that never happened. In another five months, he thought, this poster would be gone. The fight would be forgotten and none of it would have meant anything. It seemed so important at the time, life or death, but in the end, pointless. He wondered if Achilles had survived. And though it made him feel guilty, he hoped he hadn't. Then there would be no chance he would ever have to relive this. He kept walking. He passed the bank where Jonathan had died. He wondered about the girl he met, certain now that she had also been the soldier on the roof. Or had he been the soldier on the roof? He realized now he had no idea whether they had been a girl in disguise as a boy or a boy in disguise as a girl. He looked at himself through the glass window of the bank. His hair was again black, and a little longer than he was comfortable with. He had lost weight, he looked unhealthy. If he met the girl again, he doubted she would recognize him. And just to be safe, he decided to hide the fact that he had once been the Colorado Kid. He felt his stomach rumble. The apples had been the best he'd ever eaten, but the walk into town had used up their energy. And now he needed to eat something else. The mid-afternoon crowd kept Andrew busy. There wasn't a lot of people in the bar, but they were very demanding, always calling on him for more drinks, more food. They complained that their glasses weren't big enough, that the meat wasn't fresh enough, that the bread was stale. Nothing seemed to please them, and none of them seemed to understand that Andrew was just the bartender. He couldn't make a peach sweeter. He didn't brew the beer, so if it was bitter, that's just how the beer tasted. He was tired and exasperated, When Orpheus sat down, Andrew was just about ready to throw his towel in the trash and walk out. What do you want? asked Andrew. I want to play music. Orpheus replied, no, I mean to drink. Andrew clarified. Oh, I guess a beer would be
0: very nice right now. Also, a bit of food could really help. Except, I don't have any money. Then you can't have a beer. I was wondering if I could play music for my food. Sorry, we don't hire musicians. I wouldn't ask for much. Maybe a beer and a sandwich? And
1: I could play the violin, or you have a piano in the corner. That's a player piano. It plays itself, and it doesn't eat sandwiches. So I'm sorry, I don't need a musician. It plays itself? Orpheus said in amazement. He'd played that piano before, but he didn't know that it could play itself. Can I see it? How does it work? With a roll of paper. Look, I don't really have the time right now. Please. Fine, but then you'll leave me alone?
0: I will leave you alone.
1: Orpheus promised, as Andrew came around from the bar and walked up to the piano. He removed a roll of paper from the panel in the center, and then set a new roll in. Choosing at random and not really looking at what he was loading, he loaded The Yellow Rose of Texas set the piano to play, and walked away as it began. Orpheus had never heard that piece of music before, but the piano played only for a moment before he reached into his satchel and pulled out his harmonica. Catching the tune, he began to play with it. He harmonized and then began to add to the composition. He slipped the harmonica back into his satchel and pulled out the violin. He stood next to the piano as he began to play with the automated instrument. When it finished, he very carefully removed the paper roll as he had been shown by the bartender, placed it in a basket above the piano, grabbed a new one at random. It was The Hunters of Kentucky. He placed it into the piano and set it to play. He once again joined in with a violin as the piano played itself. Andrew was surprised by Orpheus's skill, but what surprised him most was that as Orpheus played, the complaints ended. People took their orders as they were, they barely looked up at Andrew as he placed them on their tables or in front of him at the bar. They kept their attention on the music, and when they were done, they would normally leave, but now they ordered another round, so they could stay and listen. Suddenly, the bar was beginning to fill up. The people that were there before didn't leave, and the new people stayed longer. Andrew would have thought this would make his job harder, but the truth was... As long as they were focused on the music, the customers were easier to deal with. He served three times as many people as he did before, with half the effort. He poured a glass of beer and made a sandwich, cutting it into small bite-sized pieces. He took from the back a small crate that held the rest of the player piano rolls. He balanced the plate with the sandwich on the crate and the beer in his hand. He walked over to Orpheus. He set everything up on the piano's bench. Orpheus, standing next to the piano, looked at him as he played, not dropping a note. Andrew opened the crate to show Orpheus all the other piano rolls. Orpheus nodded, understanding. He kept playing, eating a bite of sandwich in between songs and drinking the beer, until by random chance, out of the crate he picked up the Battle Hymn of the Republic. As the piano began its first movement and Orpheus listened to the chord structure, he was interrupted when Euricity simply asked, "Please." "'Don't play that.' Eurystheus was sitting by himself. His hat sat on the table as he brushed his hand across his bangs, and they fell back over his forehead just above his eyes. Orpheus looked at him in question. He seemed so familiar. "'Let him play.' A man wearing a tattered, blue Union coat called out. He was older and disheveled. He had a long beard and no other pieces of the uniform. He sat with three friends. They looked equally as road-worn."
0: He can play. I would just appreciate it if he didn't play that.
1: Would you rather he played Dixie?
0: No. I don't want to hear that southern piece of garbage, or that Yankee bullshit. I came out west to leave that all behind, and I don't like being reminded of it. I'm not demanding. I'm simply requesting that we skip this one and move
1: on. This war is righteous and glorious. It is God's work. How dare you defame this holy war?
0: holy war. Let's get something straight. Slavery is evil, and it turns men into evil, sadistic bastards who don't know what humanity truly is or should be. Free. But the Union soldiers, they don't care about that. They're out there to kill. I've seen them drag mothers out into the streets, and they stole their food and burned down their houses. They didn't care what color their skin was. They moved through the south like locusts, and the southern soldiers are just as bad, taking everything from their own people and leaving them destitute. They sacrificed the homes that they claimed to defend. We were all monsters, killing for the glorious revolution, everyone singing, God is on their side. But I promise you that God was not watching them. How could he? How could a god of love watch his innocent children die at the hands of men who would become twisted demons? There is no glory in war. There is only death. Deserter,
1: the man hissed with disdain.
0: I didn't desert. I was kicked out. The North and the South alike. Both had their guns pointed at my head, and if either army had its way, I would already be dead. But what about you? sitting there in a Union uniform while your righteous war rages on a thousand miles from here. I doubt you ever even seen a day's worth of battle. I bet you never even drew your gun. You're a coward, wearing a stolen uniform so you can make yourself feel like a big man, but your over ego is fueled by the death of innocence. eaten alive in a fire you falsely claim as your own.
1: The man stood from his chair, but Euricity stayed seated as he slipped his Confederate pistol out of its holster, aiming carefully at the man's heart.
0: Are you finally ready to draw your gun? Are you finally ready to earn that uniform you're wearing? It's your decision. Draw. Fight for your glorious war and die. Or accept the pointlessness of it and
1: walk away. The man smacked his friend on the shoulder. His three friends stood up with him, their hands near their pistols, Euricity stood confidently, gun already drawn, waiting for their decision either way. The only sound that could be heard was the player piano still playing the Battle Hymn of the Republic. The men tucked their chairs back under the table. They turned and walked out of the bar. Euricity walked over to the player piano. The song had finished. He removed the paper roll and handed it to Orpheus.
0: Next time you get a chance, you toss that in the fire. And if you find one in that box that claims to be Dixie, you throw that one in right next to it. What is your name? Lee. Orpheus replied. Well, Lee, I'm Luke. Your arm gets tired, you come over to my table. Supper will be on me. Thank you. Don't worry about it. Keep playing. It's beautiful.
1: Eurysthea walked back to his table. Orpheus looked through the box of paper rolls. He found one that said Dixie. He took the battle hymn of the Republic and place them both in his satchel. He would burn them later. This has been Helen of the Iron Horse. Written by Paris Lee. Artwork by Helen Lee. Performed by Helen and Paris. All characters within are fictional, and bear no intentional resemblance to anyone living or dead. Except, I guess, for Helen and Paris. See more of our work at edgeoftheworldart.com If you would like to comment on the show or ask any question please email us at helenoftheironhorse@gmail.com. at gmail.com The proceeding was made with the love and encouragement of all of our friends at the LA LGBT Center's Trans Lounge. Thank you.